hello there and greetings from Elfie's World. This is the place where we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity well, to learn a thing or two about history. I am so glad that you made the choice to join us. Now, today we are presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. These are true stories, which are, well, they've often been excluded from the uh, pantheon of history, eh, for whatever reason. My name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. This is episode number 30, and it is entitled, Real Life Lord of the Flies. So, kick back, relax, <laughs> and enjoy. The novel, Lord of the Flies, has been mandatory reading for many school-age students since it first came out in 1954. Dealing with a group of British schoolboys stranded on an uninhabited island, it shows their disastrous attempt to govern themselves. Now, it's a fictional, allegorical tale which ends with murder and violence as the boys struggle for power. Yes, yes, admittedly, The Word of the Flies was a work of fiction. But what would have been the results if this had happened in real life? <laughs> well, it actually did happen. And here is that story. It was one of the greatest mysteries anyone in the island nation of Tonga could ever remember. It all began in 1965. A group of six friends, Sione, Stephen, Kolo, David, Luke, and Mano, had been studying at a strict Catholic boarding school in Nuku'alofa, the capital of Tonga, when suddenly they disappeared without a trace. With ages ranging from 13 to 16, they seemingly vanished from the island overnight. With a total population of less than 100,000 for the entire country, it seemed as though everyone knew at least one of the boys. Everyone agreed they, they were all good kids. Not one of them had ever been in any trouble of any kind. Now, the, the local officials immediately began an extensive search of the island of Tangatapu, where the school was located. They found nothing. The search was expanded first to the other 35 inhabited islands of the nation of Tonga, and finally to many of the 169 uninhabited islands which made up this tiny archipelago nation. Still, they found no trace of the boys. The only possible clue was a local fisherman by the name of Taniela Uhilu, who reported that his boat was missing. But it was, it was a small boat with no motor and, and only one sail. They couldn't have gone very far in that. And besides, no wreckage of that boat was ever found. Eventually, all hope was lost. 
a funeral was held for each boy. The entire nation went into mourning. But what could have happened to six happy, healthy schoolboys? What, what could have caused them to completely vanish without a trace? Would this mystery ever be solved? Well, fast forward to the winter of 1966. Captain Peter Warner, the owner of a fishing fleet in Tasmania, was on his way home after a trip by boat to Tonga in search of new fishing grounds. At the last minute, he decided to take a detour. That was when he spotted a minuscule, uninhabited island, seemingly alone out there in the Pacific. Though it had at one time been sparsely inhabited by natives, on one tragic day in 1863, a slave ship had landed on its barren shores. When it departed, it sailed off enslaving all of its inhabitants in the hole of that slave ship. Since then, that tiny island had been considered a cursed and forgotten nothing of a rock, alone out there in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Now, as Captain Warner was about to sail away, through his binoculars, his attention was attracted by burned patches of ground on the green cliffs. Now, this, this was unusual, as natural fires in the tropics, well, they're very rare. Suddenly, on a craggy peak, he saw a naked boy, hair down to his shoulders. Like some wild creature, the boy leaped from his cliffside perch into the water and began swimming towards Warner's boat. Then more boys followed, screaming at the top of their lungs. In short order, the first boy reached Warner's boat, and in perfect English he cried out, My, my name's Stephen. There are six of us, and we reckon we've been here for fifteen months. Once they were all aboard, the six boys began to tell Captain Warner a most horrific tale. Talking one on top of another, our heroes identified themselves as Sione, Stephen, Colo, David, Luke, and Mano. They told how they had been students at a strict Catholic school in Nuku Alofa, the capital of Tonga. Bored with their classes and sick of school meals, they decided to <clears throat> borrow a small sailboat owned by a local fisherman that you know, they didn't like anyway. With that, they began their adventure. Now, even though they had neither a compass nor a map, they decided that they were going to sail to Fiji, 500 miles away. Now, for supplies, they took along two sacks of bananas, a few coconuts, and a gas burner for cooking. With fair skies and a moderate breeze at hand, no one noticed as they quietly hoisted the boat's one sail and eased the small craft out of the harbor that dark night. 
After several hours of effortless sailing, things changed rapidly. A disaster hit. A surprise storm struck their fragile little boat. Almost totally in darkness, they were overtaken by monstrous waves crashing down over their head. Soon, their only sail was torn to shreds. Then, the rudder was broken by the power of the sea. What little supplies they had brought along were washed overboard. They were left defenseless. No sail, no rudder, no food, no water at the mercy of the sea. After the storm subsided, they were set adrift for eight days. Finally, they spotted the tiny island of Ata. Once ashore, they initially ate raw fish and quenched their thirst by raiding the nests of seabirds, drinking the blood of the birds and sucking their raw eggs. When they had regained their strength, two of the boys climbed up to a forested plateau on the island. There they found a clay pot, a machete, and a few wild chickens, all of which had been left behind by that small Tongan community which had lived there before being violently captured and taken away by slave traders a century earlier. Things improved dramatically for the boys when they were finally able to make fire by rubbing two sticks together, and they began cooking hot meals. Now, as fire was paramount importance to their survival, they all took on the responsibility of maintaining that fire, and each taking turns to make sure the fire never went out for over a year. Now, over time, they built a small hut out of palm branches and started a garden containing beans and bananas. They hollowed out tree trunks in which they stored rainwater. They created a permanent fire ring, chicken pens, and a badminton court. They, they even improvised a gymnasium with weights which they used to keep in shape. All this was done with that old machete blade and a lot of hard work and imagination. They even set up a roster to keep a lookout for passing ships. It was that lookout who spotted Captain Warner's ship. Now, uh, of course, like all young boys, uh, they didn't always get along. If they did have disagreements, the feuding participants would walk to opposite sides of the island until they cooled down. Now, if that didn't work, then one of the other boys would smack each of them on the side of the head saying, Shut up! Cool down! Sit down! Listen! Well, after hearing much of the boy's story, Captain Warner got on his two-way radio and called authorities in Nuku'alofa. He told the operator, um, I I've got six kids I found on a deserted island. He was told to stand by. After 20 minutes, a tearful operator came back on the radio saying, You've you found them. These boys were, were given up for dead. F funerals were held. If it is them, this is a miracle. Unbelievably, unbelievably, 
Upon their return to Tonga, the six boys were promptly arrested for the theft of that fisherman's boat. Well, Captain Warner quickly resolved the problem by paying for the boat himself. After a 15-month absence, all of the boys were safely returned to their homes and families. Now, remarkably, not only were none of the boys sickly or emaciated, they had all developed excellent physiques, like, like some athletes in training. Now, while one boy had broken his leg in a fall, thanks to some makeshift first aid, it had healed perfectly. Now, they credited their survival on their common native beliefs of love, compassion, justice, and unity. Now, while on the island, one of the boys, Sione, had promised God that if he were rescued, he, Sione, would become a minister. Well, upon his return home, Sione fulfilled that promise. He not only became a minister, but later became the head of the Church of Tonga in America. Another of the boys, Mano, moved to Australia, where he and Captain Werner became lifelong friends. Now, while the story of these six boys from Tonga may have a few similarities to Lord of the Flies, it had a much, much more reassuring ending. It is a story that is amazing and reaffirmingly true. Well, there you have it. Episode number 30, entitled Real Life Lord of the Flies. It's part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, each week we feel privileged to present for your entertainment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true accounts from history. Now, some of these narratives come from our book, which is entitled Elfie's Amazing but True Tales of American History and More. As a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing but True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's list price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. And that includes free shipping and handling anywhere in the United States. Yes. For more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council, expert publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Hoine Tomish for the Piano Introduction. Dee Demizic for Breakfast Piano Jingle. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. 